Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Good afternoon on a beautiful Wednesday and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. I'm joined as always by producers Jihei Wiley and Armani Buckets. How are we doing on this glorious Wednesday? You know, couldn't be prouder. I think this is a day that I think not only we as Los Angeles can be proud of um, as far as sports are concerned, but also a day that Kobe could be proud of as well. Yeah, exactly. Two years since Kobe's untimely passing. And what a way for both teams to represent Kobe last night. I mean, the Clippers especially, coming back from down 35, that was one of the craziest comebacks I can ever remember seeing in my whole life. No, no doubt about that. Again, I mean, this was a day that I thought I would lead the show talking about the uh, return of Anthony Davis and the Lakers uh, beating the Brooklyn Nets last night. Um, you know, just if they're going to turn around their season, it's going to begin with that return of Anthony Davis beating the Nets on the road. But we really can't start there. We can't start there because I was at Barclays Center last night watching the game. And while the Lakers were playing the Nets in front of me, I was enthralled with the Clippers-Washington Wizards game. And I couldn't believe I was saying that uh, because, listen, the w- Wizards took a 35-point lead in that game. The Wizards were up 66-31 to 31 in uh, the late in the second quarter of that game. And that game was effectively done. Everyone had kind of moved on. And then the Clippers complete the second greatest comeback in NBA history, or at least in the last 25 years since they started to track these things. Uh, They defeat the Wizards 116-115. Before I touch on, uh, you know, the the significance of this with with you guys, I want to go over some of the historical marks that we saw. And this is according to uh, Elias sports, the 35 point comeback is tied for the second largest comeback in league history. Um, trailing only the Utah jazz coming back from 36 points down against the Denver nuggets in 1996, the Clippers trailed by seven points with 20 sec 20 seconds left in regulation. Uh, going into that game on a Tuesday night, teams were one and sixteen thousand and two hundred and thirty-nine over the last twenty seasons when trailing by seven or more points with under twenty seconds left. Luke Kennard became the only player in the last twenty-five years with a game-winning four-point play in the final five seconds of the game. And finally, the Clippers are the first team over the last 25 seasons to have a three to have three comeback victories in a single season when trailing by at least 24 points. And get this, guys, they are the first to do that in a calendar month. They all the, the all three of those wins have come in January, and we are still in January. It was remarkable. Yeah, I mean, come on, guys. If you don't like Duke now, you have to like Duke now because Luke Kennard, my dookie, my man, just killing it, lighting it up, and just and helping out the uh, my Clippers as well. I, I mean, just what a phenomenal performance. But also what a phenomenal performance all the way around, I think, by Clipper Nation. So you just you got to hang your hat on this and just be so proud. But also, I mean, it might also be because Washington kind of 
you know, shot the bed on this one too. But I'm not taking away from the Clipper victory. I'm 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 psyched on that as well. It was a remarkable comeback. And when you look at the box score, I mean, Reggie Jackson, who probably is the Clippers' best player right now, he was one for nine with four points. Zubats had two points. Batum, who was starting as well, had zero. It was all about the other guys. Like you mentioned, Jihei, Luke Kennard with 25, 8, and 6, and Amir Coffey with 29. The Clippers, this team, if they want to galvanize this city, this is the way that they're going to do it. It's not going to be always about flash. It's going to be more about their heart and their grit. And they've been doing this for years. This is how they can actually cultivate maybe a small fan base in Los Angeles because the Lakers have the star power. This Clipper team is all about heart. And I love, you know, even though I'm not a Clipper fan, I love to see them compete. It's really fun to watch. So, Buck, as you touched on it, and you were 100% right, I mean, this has become a calling card for the Clippers. Again, this is nothing new for the Clippers. They already hold the franchise. So sorry, they already um, hold the record for the largest comeback in postseason history. That was 31 points against the Golden State Warriors back in 2019. They have the third largest postseason comeback win, coming back from 27 points down against the Memphis Grizzlies back in 2012. They came back from 25 points down last season against the Jazz, if you guys remember. And that was a big win on their way to the first ever conference finals. And even in 2019, they came back from 28 points down against the Boston Celtics. So this has become the comeback Clippers. This has become a calling card for this game. I mean, for this team. And it is a perfect testament to this franchise, a blue-collar franchise, which is sort of like... There's no Kawhi. There's no Paul George. No problem. Like, like these guys are going to find a way to win. And they were down by 35 points in the first half because of these starters. These starters were checked out. They, you know, listen, it's a long road trip. This was a game that the starters effectively did not want to play. It didn't look like it anyways. And this is to the credit of Ty Lue of really finding a way to kind of put together a roster, putting together a a unit that's going to come back. And again, not even Ty Luke thought they were going to come back from 35 points down. But again, finding the right uh, 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 collection of players for them to come back. And Ty Lue, you have to credit him as one of, as being one of the best coaches in the league. When you look at what the Clippers did a year ago, again, coming back, they lost the you know first two home games against the Dallas Mavericks in the first round, come back to win that series. You go back to his time in Cleveland when they're down 3-1 in that series to the Warriors. He just finds a way when, when your back is against the wall and no one thinks you can do it. He gets these guys to believe. I mean, Ty Lue, just such an amazing coach. And you're right. Buckets, this is a team. How can you not get behind this team? I I don't get how, you know, if you're just a basketball fan, you got to love what you saw. Not only that, it's just this team is so fascinating and has been for so many years. Like you mentioned, that Warriors comeback in the playoffs with Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell, that's the first thing that came to mind. And no matter what changes they make on their roster, it seems like that identity of being those comeback Clippers, it's still alive and well. And, you know, it's crazy to see that not only how far Ty Lu has come, but this franchise as a whole it went from being like a laughing stock with the with the Chris Paul Josh Smith 
Houston Rockets crazy comeback in game six, I believe it was, to all of a sudden now the Clippers are the ones that are consistently making these kinds of comebacks. The most fascinating part about this Clipper team right now for me is obviously Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. We don't know what their status is going to be, but would they buy or sell at the trade deadline? Because it's like you don't have your draft pick and it's it's just fascinating because you can go and kind of – maybe be buyers a little bit yeah. or you can go turn the other direction and just completely sell. But it feels like you would be doing a disservice to these vets by selling when they're competing this hard, three comeback wins by 24, 24 points or more in the yeah. span of a month. I don't think you can sell with that kind of unit. Not only that, I think you have to build upon what you've done this year. A lot of the focus, in my view, is on next season. And these are the moments that you can kind of like say, hey, this is where so-and-so, you know, believed that we could be a championship containing team. Remember, the summer before or, or the postseason before, they got Paul George and they got Kawhi. That was the comeback. That was, again, no one gave that Clippers team a chance, but Patrick Beverly, Montrez Harrell, Lou Williams, that was sort of like the foundation. And again, they, that, that wasn't a championship team, but they bought into each other. They believed in each other, and that core group was there strong role players, the foundation for what that team, again, they didn't win a championship, but that was there. And I think when Kawhi and Paul George looked at what they wanted to do, they already had a bit of a solid foundation in place. The Clippers don't have to recruit anybody. Kawhi's going to come back. If not this season, next season. Paul George will come back. If not this season, then next season. So I wouldn't do anything hasty. I wouldn't sell. I would definitely look at, like, what kind of a team do I want this year? And, again, I, I do think at some point in time they got to figure out, is Kawhi and is Paul George, will those guys come back this year, this is a team obviously goes without saying no one wants to face. If, if they can get Kawhi and Paul George back, and we've talked about this, if they can get both of those guys back and they sneak into the playoffs, I mean, they're not a normal seven or eight seed, right? I mean, this is not a team that you want to play. And so um, you can't sell. You can't sell. And when you're looking at this team, G, hey, I mean, I think the foundation is in place, quite frankly, for a team that I would totally expect to contend for a championship next season. Obviously, I don't think it'll be this year. We'll see if Kawhi comes back. We'll see if Paul George comes back. But I would have said it a year ago, and I said it a year ago. If they were healthy last year, last season, I think they would have won the championship. When you look at who they have right now and you look at who's going to come back, this is a championship team, so don't get crazy. If there's a good deal to be had, make it, of course, but like, don't, don't do anything crazy right now. Yeah, I, I would buy in on this team, and like Armand said, it, you'd be doing all these guys who just work their patooties off a disservice if you just don't build on top of this, right? Uh, if you don't give them you know, some, some other support or something like that, especially when the following year you're going to, you're definitely going to be getting Paul George back and you could possibly be getting, you know, Kawhi back as well. So build on this team. Do not do them a disservice by, by dumping them and selling them all out. Uh, also LA needs to be, LA is normally a, we build for now, 
right? Yeah. The Clippers need to need to go against that grain, I think. I think the Clippers need to be like, you know what, we are good with who we have now, and we're just going to keep building, and we're just going to keep trying to uh, make this franchise better. Because they're they're already they already have a good solid foundation, um, and at least with what we saw, if they can play like this on a consistent basis, this is great. You know, th- this just gives Clipper fans, I think, hope for the future, and it gives Clipper fans even hope for this season as well, um, as far as like playoffs are concerned. Because if they can play like this, uh, I, I'm gonna say it like I said, the Rams, like if they said if they can play like this, sky's the limit, guys. Sky's the limit. No doubt about it. And they are built for now. I mean, just the the problem is that they're not healthy. I mean, Kawhi's here. Paul George is here. It's not like they have to recruit these guys. Again, a couple of years ago, you know, they, they had a fun, uh, you know, group that, you know, again, they weren't a championship contending team, but they were a fun team to watch during the course of the regular season, had uh, the, the greatest comeback in postseason history. But that wasn't a championship team. They went out and got Kawhi. They went out and got Paul George. Those guys will come back. It's just the question of when. And so if that's uh, this season, fantastic. They do have a shot to do something great this year. If not, you kick the can down the road and you're a championship contender a year from now. Um, switching gears here because this was the game that I was really focused on and I was actually there at Barclays Center. By the way, ton of Laker fans in Brooklyn last night to see the Lakers beat the Brooklyn Nets 106 to 96. They are now um, the uh, at 24 and 24. And by the way, and we'll touch on this more in the next segment. Someone brought this up to me and the numbers when it comes to Kobe are, you know, like in terms of the dates and things like that. Uh, today is, it, it's crazy to say this, that it's been two years since the passing of Kobe. And as we sit here today and look at where the Lakers are, they are 24 and 24 and they are the eight seed, the eight seed, 24 and 24. And then the numbers with 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 Kobe has always been a really big thing. But it was fun to see the Lakers together as a unit again with Anthony Davis back, with LeBron James, with Russell Westbrook. Uh, Davis playing 25 minutes last night, recording eight points, two rebounds, two assists. Again, not a big stat line, but the fact that he was back, great news. The fact that he played 25 minutes Great news, but LeBron, again, once again, having a fantastic season, finishing with 33 points, six assists, seven rebounds. And our money buckets, your guy. This is the guy that I think if the Lakers are going to do something, is going to have to perform like he has on, on occasion. Malik Monk, buckets 22 points last night. It's just fascinating to see this Laker team at 500. They still, to me, look like a team that can definitely win the title. And I know that that's very hot takey to start this yes. Lakers talk with. But listen, if you had to pick one player on the planet for a best of seven series, there is nobody right now. I've seen a large enough sample size. There's nobody I'm taking over LeBron James. LeBron James, to me right now, he is the best player on the planet. He is playing one of the best offensive stretches he himself said in his entire career. He looks leaner than ever. His athleticism is still there. His defensive IQ, as we saw in the fourth quarter of that game, he is reading the other team's plays before they happen. Now imagine in the playoffs when he's actually studying your playbook before the games. Now, and then you 
incorporate Anthony Davis's rim protection. Like you mentioned, Arash, Malik Monk's shooting off the bench. This team, I don't want to get you too excited, but I really think that this team can compete and beat anybody in the Western Conference. The only issue I see is they need to add one or two guys off the bench that can contribute because I don't trust you want to go down the list. I don't trust DeAndre Jordan, Ken Bazemore, Trevor Ariza, Wayne Ellington, maybe <laughs> Taylor Horton Tucker. So you need to add like two guys, not even stars, just roll guys off the bench. And then I really think that the sky is the limit with this Lakers team. They just need to stay healthy. So what? Wait a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. You just, you just, you just blew up THC. Like I don't. That I don't understand. I'm like, it, granted, he's had his inconsistencies, but that kid still can play and he can still do really well for the, um, for for the team. So like, where, where's your where's your doubt for uh, THC on this one? On Taylor Horton Tucker. I don't see where he fits into this team. Defensively, he's he's solid, but on ball, he's okay. He can't spot up and shoot. And LeBron, I think, really needs a guy that can hit that three-pointer. But, you know, it's all going to come down to not only those guys. I forgot to mention Russell Westbrook, who he's been playing better, so he's been hiding a lot of his inconsistencies. But if Russ is not consistent, I guess the whole tower crumbles. With, with him playing a little bit more consistently, you get a little jaded and you feel like it's going to stay. But, you know, the the Westbrook thing is always a roller coaster. So that's going to be a story to watch the rest of the way as well. But THT to me, he's an average role player that you can you can do with and you can do without. I mean, that was their one big trade guy that if they wanted to part with him and they didn't really want to, again, they, they could have made a deal for Kyle Lowry a year ago, and they did. I mean, they love THT. Now, what they're trying to do, to your point, is package these guys together. So they are doing what, you're, what you are saying. Um, it is uh, the package effectively is some combination of THT, none, and a 2027 first round pick. Yeah, the problem with the 2027 first round pick is we, we just began 2022. So a lot of teams are not very excited about a first round pick five years from now. They have to do that because they don't have any draft picks for all the other trades that, that they've made. But effectively, that is their best package i do think that 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 someone will bite on that package at some point i do think someone out there will like the upside of tht they will remember what he was a year and uh again his run began in florida post uh post nba break i mean i don't know what he did during that time off but he became a player was a a contributor during the uh, finals played well a year ago um, I think there will be a team out there that will want to sell, and I, I don't know who they can possibly get. But to your point, to your point, buckets, I agree that 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 if these guys can can start to play together, if LeBron is continuing to play like LeBron, and that's the biggest thing. If you would have told me that the Lakers were twenty four and twenty four through through the you know the first half of the season. My guess would have been 37-year-old LeBron James has hit a wall. That has not happened. He's playing some of the best ball amazingly of his career in his 19th season. So if LeBron plays like this, if Anthony Davis returns to form in terms of being one of the top five or ten players in the league, Russell Westbrook plays within some kind of semblance of a team ball, which is like a huge if, but let's just say it happens. You know, this is a team that – 
a lot of it will come down to who's hurt, right? I mean, the Warriors have not been healthy recently. Maybe something happens to the Suns. Look at the Suns. No one thought the Suns were going to get to the finals a year ago. No one thought if the Lakers were healthy, I don't think the Suns get out of the first round. But as it was, the Suns played the Lakers without Anthony Davis. They played the Nuggets without um, – they weren't fully healthy. The Clippers without Kawhi. So – We'll see how things play out, but uh, you know, again, it doesn't look great. But I do think the two teams in Los Angeles, if the Clippers can get healthy and that that team plays together, when you talk about a team that loves to play together, that that's, that's why it's fun to watch them play. The Clippers and Lakers, amazingly, both in the play-in play tournament slots right now, they have a chance. And again, I would have never thought I would say that, but the month that the Clippers have had and coming back, and what the Lakers have done, amazing. All right, let's leave it there for now. I still can't believe it. It's been two years since the passing of Kobe Bryant. I have the privilege of uh, chatting with him one of the final times he sat down. Um, and we are going to replay that for you when we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio and The Fan in Las Vegas. We'll be right back with the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. This is the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas, uh, January 26th. It, it is amazing that it has been two years since the passing of Kobe Bryant, uh, Gigi Bryant, and seven of uh, their friends in a helicopter crash. I think we all remember where we were on that day. I had just landed in Miami to cover the Super Bowl between the uh, 49ers and the Chiefs, and uh, uh, the first thing that I wanted to do was just come back home. I, I mean, I, I, I had no thoughts and aspirations to cover the Super Bowl at that time. I, I didn't want to be away from my friends and family. It was um, so heartbreaking, so surreal, so jarring. And it's and it's amazing that it has already been, you know, two years. You know, when, when we think of all the stuff we've gone through these past two years and the start of the pandemic and um, our lives being totally flipped and turned upside down. It really began, in my view, with the passing of Kobe. That 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 was the first like, what is this new world we are in right now? Um, and the other thing that that I, I thought of is that I was so blessed to be able to sit down and talk to Kobe in person a few months prior to that. We talked before the beginning of uh, the 2020 uh, season. And so right now, I, I want to play for you the conversation I had with Kobe. I've done this a few times, but I, I, when I look back and I listen to it now, I'm so thankful that we talked about Gigi and the connection that they had and the connection that he had with his family. And, and it just hits differently when you, when you know what happened. And he did not get to spend that time with his kids in Gigi. So let's now hear my final conversation with the great Kobe Bean Bryant. The Mamba, like what you've done with that name. So I want to start with like the Mamba League. You and Nike had a relationship that went way back. But the partnership there, and not only that, but to have it 
boys and girls. It's almost like a 50-50 thing. If you can explain, like, where did the idea come from and working with them to make this league? Well, you know, looking at youth basketball um, and the way that it's currently constructed, uh, I wanted to create something that uh, could teach kids how to play the game properly. Mm -hmm. Like, growing up in Italy, we had a league called Mini Basket. And I played a mini basket, and the baskets were smaller. Yeah. The dimensions of the courts were smaller. The size of the ball was smaller. And what that enabled us to do is that enabled us to shoot with proper form. Yeah. That enabled us to use our imaginations so we can do some of the things that the pros would be doing. Yeah. You know, like finishing around the rim and all that sort of stuff. Because kids now that are, you know, eight, nine years old trying to play on 10 foot hoops, it's yeah. not going to work, man. Mm -hmm. And they're playing on the same size court. It's like, yeah. you can't. You know, you wind up having like ten kids underneath a basket, just kind of chucking that shit out there. <laughs> and I didn't want to do. That. I wanted to create something where kids could learn structure, yeah, learn ball movement, and learn how to shoot properly. The youth sports is so important for you. What what is it about helping the youth? Because I know there's so many pros and college players that want to work with you, but you've really focused on youth uh, sports. Yeah, well, there's such a. Um, you know, I think coaching. Uh, young kids is the most important thing we can do as um, you know if you think about a teacher in a classroom a teacher in a classroom you teach a curriculum you provide quizzes tests things mm -hmm. of that nature but the thing that's missing from the classroom is the emotional element that kids are going through yeah. so if I'm sitting in a classroom I'm learning critical thinking I'm learning about history etc cetera, etc cetera. right yeah. but when you're playing there's an emotional element to it that each kid goes through from play to play. Yeah. So that makes them more emotionally uh, open, more vulnerable, and also more powerful. Yeah. And so as, as coaches, if we are not conscious of that, we can do a lot of damage yeah. to children with the roll of the eyes mm -hmm. or like a yell or things of that nature, which can also help them in a really positive way. Yeah. But it's not something that we take very seriously. Yeah. We think it's sports, you just kind of go out there. Sure. Yeah. No, it needs a lot of care. And so I look at that from that standpoint, and that's why I love working with young kids because it's a great opportunity to not just prepare them for the game, but put them on the path to hopefully prepare them for life. Yeah. And the struggles that'll, you know, inevitably come. You've been such a supporter of girls' basketball, female basketball. I've seen you at so many games and you coach. Um, talk about the evolution of that game and the league and, and you know, n not to toot your own home, but, like, the fact that you're involved, I think, helps shed more light on it, hopefully. Yeah, well, um, I just love the game in general, and I've always been a big supporter of it. Obviously, um, you know, going back to watching Tamika mm -hmm. play and us growing up together uh, in Italy and watching her do her thing at Tennessee and then in Indiana, so I've, I've always been a kind of a huge supporter yeah. of the women's game. And then having daughters. Yeah. And one in particular that really wants to play ball. Uh, the other one plays volleyball. And just trying to enhance the women's game, not just in basketball, but in volleyball and other sports, is extremely important, man. And anything that I can do to help, uh, I'm going to do. Yeah. And, um, you know, like when we play our games, we just had the Mamba Cup, and we have all these teams that we compete against. Yeah. But it's always very important that I communicate to my team and to the other coaches that we may be seeing other players that 
this is a joint effort. Yeah. This is a joint effort to raise the women's game. You and Gigi seem to be attached to the hip. You know, when you're when you're at these games and yeah. she's watching, um, and when you see clips, I'm sure you see it firsthand. But I'm like, that looks like Kobe. I mean, talk about the relationship you guys have in terms of her mannerisms and how competitive yeah. she is and, and things like yeah, that. I mean, she is, it's, it's a trip to see her move uh, and some of the, <laughs> you know, the expressions that she makes. And, you know. Um, it's a trip. It's yeah. Like genetics. Yeah. <laughs> genetics is a real thing, man. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, but what I love about Gigi is her uh, curiosity about the game. She's very curious about yeah. the game. And even in a very heated situation in a game where it's very competitive and back and forth, she can detach herself and come over and yeah. ask a very specific question, you know, which is not common. Like, even in, like, in a moment where it's kind of tense, She'll come over and say, okay, you know, on this particular trap here, when I'm trying to close the gap and she's getting on the outside, do I need to change the angle a little bit there? Like, wow. very specific questions. Yeah. And, you know, all of our girls can do that. Um, but that's uh, the part that I think is most exciting is that it's her curiosity uh, and her ability to think critically yeah. in tight situations. This is pretty pretty damn cool. If you're a girls player, you, you kind of want to go to Connecticut usually, and she likes Diana Taurasi. I mean, that's pretty far from home. I mean, could you envision your, your good friend and your d- daughter that being <laughs> next to you? Well, you know, it's, it's uh, as parents, you know, it's, uh, you never want to see your kids leave home. <laughs> but, you know, eventually they have to. Yeah. Right? And so, but, but that's the thing about sports and making sure you, you know, you hope as parents when you send your kids off to school they have good teachers and good mentors in the classroom. You hope that whether they're playing club soccer, volleyball, swimming, basketball, lacrosse, they have good coaches there with them that are preparing them, that are consciously, that understand yeah. the importance of preparing the kids for when they leave home and when they're offering their own and they have to make these decisions. Yeah. You know, so then you can trust the fact that, okay, yeah, you gotta open up the kids. <laughs> That's right. Go, you know what I mean? Yeah. We're at a great point in like Los Angeles sports where like when we were kids and I grew up here, we had the Olympics in 1984, we had the World Cup in 92, we had a Super Bowl. And now this generation of kids are going to get that with the 2028 Olympics, 2026 World Cup will have games here. What can those big events do for youth sports and kids watching the World Cup and Olympics f- firsthand? Well, it depends what we use from it. I mean, aside yeah. from just the inspiration of the moment and getting more kids active and more kids excited about playing the game. Uh, young women in particular. Yeah. Um, it's also what we do with it, right? And some of the connections that we're able to build or the systems we're able to put in place to help coaches be better, mm-hmm. to help them understand how to connect with kids more, how to teach kids better, yeah. um, how to uh, connect with parents, yeah. understand parents, how to parent better. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. And with the differences between pushing and pulling and, you know, uh, putting too much pressure in yeah. the So if we can use these big moments to create systems in place where we can help educate, mm-hmm. help change things for the better, then it can have a very, very long-lasting impact versus just an inspiration type of thing. Yeah. What was the Mamba Pro Invitational like? That seemed like such an exclusive event, and there was this, um, you know, Kawhi and you had the picture together, and Paul George was there for yeah. a bit. What was that like, and what did you learn? Or, uh, you know, you know Kawhi and Paul, but they're now here now. So, what, what was it like to work with them? I mean, listen, they're just they're tough. Yeah. Man. You know, and uh, I've known them both 
for a very, very long time. And Paul, when he first started in Kauai, and they were just very inquisitive. Yeah. I remember sitting with Kauai when, uh, at an all-star game. Uh, I can't remember what year it was. Maybe it was in L.A. Even. And he was there as a, I think it was, it was his rookie year. Yeah. Kawhi's first year was what? He was in the same draft class as Paul George. I'm just trying to remember. Uh, yeah, was specifically, but we had a Nike suite at All Star game, and he was in the suite. I was there, and he just came, sat next to me, just started peppering me with questions yeah. about the game and like summer regimen and all yeah. sorts of stuff. And um, so he had a curiosity right from the beginning, and PG the same way. Okay, you know, but they're competitive on both ends of the floor. Mm-hmm. It's not like a tit for tat. Like yeah. hey, I score. You know, you can't stop me. I can't stop yeah. you. They don't. They don't believe that. It's, yeah. You know, you can't stop me. I will shut you down. Yeah. And that's a very different mentality that players have now. Not a lot of players have that man. Yeah. Everybody wants specialists mm-hmm. that can come in and defend, and they don't. They don't believe in that. Yeah. They want to do do both. And Patrick's Patrick's better. Oh, nice, right. right. So defensively, they're going to get after you, man. Yeah. Um, but you know, the Lakers have a lot of veterans and a lot of size. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, got two freaks of nature. So. That's right. Kawhi and Paul grew up in a, a Southern California, and they both watched you growing up. Are you at all surprised that maybe they wanted to do their own thing, but they kind of chose the Clippers? Um, they, they weren't traded here, although Paul was, but he re- requested the trade. Are you surprised that like they grew up in Los Angeles where they saw you and Shaq and you and Pau win, and they kind of wanted to do something different? I don't know your thoughts on... Um, I think it's just all situational. Yeah. It just depends on the moment in time. I'm sure wants to take the challenge of winning independent of playing with LeBron. Yeah. Why LeBron James, right? This whole. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think they enjoyed or relished the challenge of taking on something new. Yeah. I don't think it was anything that was a slight towards the Lakers. Or yeah. Like that, but I think it was just more the circumstances. Yeah. And what was already here in LA. And then wanted to take the challenge of building something new. Yeah. Um, I think it was more along those lines. But the Lakers did okay. They did more than okay. They just fantastic. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I saw a lot of Laker fans being very disappointed about sure, it. Sure, but... And rightfully so. Yeah. Like, if you get quiet here with... And it's... Know, it's right. <laughs> but you did get Anthony Davis. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, know, you did okay. Yeah. You did all right. You were part you of two right. of the best duos, you and Shaq, and very underrated you and Powell, which went yeah. to three straight finals, one, yeah. two. How do you kind of rate these two duos? They're very unique, right? Two two-way players in Kawhi and Paul, yeah. and you got like KD and LeBron. It, it just depends on on uh, how they mesh mm-hmm. in the system. Systems are very important. And you get guys integrated into a systematic uh, approach, offensively and defensively. Um, and, you know, they have to elevate each other. Mm-hmm. Most people don't get a second chance for Dwight to come back and maybe finish his career. Yeah. Obviously, at a different place in his life and mind, and he realizes some of the. Are you happy that he's back and able to kind of maybe close out his career? Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm happy for him because um, you know sometimes we don't realize um, how much we love the game, yeah, or miss the game until. You know, that window starts closing. Yeah. And you're like, oh, damn. Yeah. yeah I really miss playing the game. Yeah. I, I really want another opportunity to show what I can do. And, uh, and you don't know if that opportunity ever is, is going to come again. Yeah. And so for him, I believe he's really uh, appreciative of the opportunity. I think he's going to make a hell of an impact. Yeah. Because of the new 
new appreciation that he has for playing the game. Was it pretty clear at the beginning, kind of early on, that that wasn't like the right fit at the right time when he came here? Like it just well, wasn't a. I mean, in all fairness, that second half of the season when I tore my Achilles, oh, we yeah, had you the guys best were in mm-hmm. the league second half of the season. Yeah. So I don't know if it was a matter of it just didn't fit. Yeah. Um, you know, we had to had to make things a little bit more contentious yeah. than I wanted to, but the object is to win. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, I tore my Achilles, and that kind of sidetracked everything. But that second half of the season, there's not a team in the Western Conference that wanted to play. Yeah. How closely will you watch this season? And have you made a conscious effort? Because you love the Sparks games, and I always see you at the Sparks games. It, is it? Do you do you not want to? You know, because sometimes like John Wooden would go to the UCLA games. I always felt like that's a lot of pressure on the current coach. Do you? Have you made a conscious effort, maybe not to go to a lot of Laker games because you don't want to take the focus away? I don't know what. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, it's just, uh, to be honest, like, I have my routine at home. Yeah, you have a life. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So I feel like, you. You know, um, it's not that I don't want to go. Yeah. It's just, I'd rather be giving BB a shower. I feel you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Your father, husband. Barney songs. And stuff, like, you know what I'm saying? No, I like, feel I, like, that I'd makes rather, sense. Cause I've gone through 20 years and, like, the majority of my career with my kids and Natalia and Gianna. And yeah. And I would have had that consistently. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, for me to make the trip up to Staples Center, that means I'm missing the opportunity to spend another night with. Yeah. With my kids, and I know how fast it goes. It's Natalia is 16. That's amazing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, like, it, it's. You know, Gianna's 13, yeah. right? So that time came and went. And so I want to make sure that the days that I'm away from them are the days that I, like, absolutely have to yeah. from them. Like, I'd rather just be hanging with them, man. And that's why you kind of had that pro invitation, right? Because I think all these guys want to talk with you, and you're like, let's just do it one time, because I don't... Your time is very valuable to it you. It is, man. It is. And, and you know, that was a, that was a fun invitation. Right? Yeah. I had a good time. Players all had a good time. We had a chance to walk through very finite details yeah. things and um, and thinking through things very specifically. I enjoyed it. I mean, this is what we're trying to do, man. It's just trying to help the next generation of athletes you know, be better, man. That's all. Yeah. Um, when you get your statue, have you thought what you wanted it to look like? Because I, I rated the number one moment at Staples Center. It was you on the scores table yeah. outside of the – have you thought about – or is that's, that something that's, 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 that's not – that's something to you. My job is done. My job yeah. is – Trying to create the memories and the moments, and then it's somebody else's job to figure out which ones. And I think Powell's number should be the next retired. He's, this might be his last year, right? Not even close, I right? I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. And last question What is your, I think what you're doing right now will be just as big a part of your legacy and how we re- remember you. Is that your goal when, when people talk about you? It's like, Youth sports and mom academy and yeah. and just kind of you had a great career, but what you you can give back to kids and the community and youth and whatnot. That's hopefully, if we do it the right way, yeah, um, be known for more of what we do after than we did during. Yeah, you know, because I think it can have a lasting impact. I mean, you're winning championships, that's great. You build families, that's great. Mm-hmm. But when you can create stories and create moments and events and companies that can provide opportunities uh, for a more um, more diverse opportunities yeah. um, uh, and inspire kids yeah. and, and create situations where people can be better. I think that has a lasting impact more so than winning championships does. Thank you. So we're, we're, we're working hard. We have a lot of work to do, but we're, uh, 
We're doing it, man. And you never sleep, by the way. You're probably always working. I, mean, <laughs> I would say, I swear to God, it's probably guys sleeps like two, two hours a day, maybe. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you know I am, man. Like, yeah. I, take, I take things very seriously. Like, mm-hmm. I'm committed to doing something. I'm committed to doing it, you know? So that requires a lot of thought being put into it, whether it's, you know, the next novels that are coming out. That's right. Yeah. Doing those or, you know, building the animation studio or, you know, doing the show Detail or... You know, coaching my kids. Yeah. Like, I gotta make sure I put a lot of thought into the curriculum. How am I going to teach my kids how to play the game? Yeah. You, know, you gotta take your time and think through these things because they're important. Yeah. All right, that was my last conversation with Kobe Bryant. Again, it, it took place uh, just prior to the uh, 2020 season in which the Lakers won the championship, but obviously they uh, did so in the bubble in Florida during a, a pandemic. Um, but, G.A., I mean, th- this is a day that we not only remember Kobe, but Gigi Bryant as well, and, you know, how much she loved to play basketball and how she wanted to follow in the footsteps of some of her favorite players who went to UConn. I talked to Kobe about that, you know, how tough it was going to be to see his best friend, his daughter, Gigi, leave home. But, I mean, she wanted to play in the WNBA. She loved the league so much, and I, and I just can't help but think on this day, not only what we lost with Kobe, but with Gigi as well. Definitely. I mean, right now she'd be in high school. So, I mean, th- think yeah. about that, right? It'd be her freshman year. She'd probably, I mean, sh- she was, it was told that she was the one girl that was like, what, 12, 13 years old that had a fadeaway. I mean, how many people can yeah. say that, you know? So, uh, yeah, the world is definitely a little less bright without uh, Gigi here right now, especially since she'd probably be on the cover of Slam Magazine balling it up right now. <laughs> I can totally see it. Uh, so yeah, uh, a, a sad day, but it, it's a great day to to remember them, right? To remember what they yeah. brought into this world uh, and remember how much they made us lo- love and enjoy the game of basketball. 100%. I mean, I mean, th- this is a day that we have to remember, you know, what he stood for what he meant mamba mentality you're going to hear that phrase a lot today and just yeah the mannerisms that uh, Gigi had that looked exactly like Kobe and the one comment that Kobe just said in the interview that genetics are a real thing man <laughs> all right that's all the time we have for today let's do it again tomorrow until then this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe stay healthy The Arash Markazi Show on the Mightier 1090 ESPN Radio. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.